Hello and welcome to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. Before we dive into who our guest is today, Joe's going to remind us of our show's purpose. Yeah, the show's purpose. First of all, thank you for joining the show today. Um, The podcast is exploring how we serve and connect in today's world through Rotary. And here we share inspiring tales and ideas on how to grow the service community. And we're excited for all of you to join us today as we explore and have fellowship. Wonderful job. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, waiting for more, but <laughs> I, sh- I shortened it. it down. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so we have yet again another special guest with us today. Her name is Valerie Vidal. She is the president and CEO of Meta House. Welcome, Valerie. We're happy to have you on Searching for Service today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, excited for the opportunity. Wonderful. So really in this first segment, we love to get to know our guests um, so that our listeners can have, have, have an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better too. My first question right out the gate, have you ever done a podcast show before? Oddly, I have. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, I did another podcast once before, and my kids ask me about it often and and ask me to try to find it, um, which I've not been successful in doing yet. Um, and we'll then help I you find ha- this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I'll definitely bookmark this one. And then I did have the privilege of arguing in front of the uh, Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals when I was practicing law, and they record all of their arguments. Even better. So, yeah. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. But I'm a little rusty, so looking forward to diving in with you. Beautiful. Um, and so my next question for you is, where do you live? Yeah, so I live in Milwaukee, was born and raised here, and um, have left Wisconsin a few times, uh, but the Midwest has a way of bringing people back. So um, It's a boomerang effect. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's okay. Where the, that's where the Meta House is located, right? <clears throat> that That's right. Yep. Meta House is located in the River West neighborhood of Milwaukee. Wonderful. I must say it. It's always nice being in company of a fellow Wisconsinite. I'm from oh, La Crosse, okay. Wisconsin. So. Excellent, excellent. I have to. I have to throw it in there. I have to. Us fellow cheeseheads. That's right. <laughs> Go pack. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about your background uh, before you got involved with Made House. Sure. Yeah. So um, I, like I said, I was raised in the greater Milwaukee area. Um, most of my family is from around here. Um, before joining Meta House, I practiced law for 10 years. Um, when I was practicing law, I was a business litigator. So I did uh, a mixed assortment of helping to represent our corporate clients in complex uh, legal disputes that they were involved in. Um, had always been pretty involved in community service, including some board membership um, service and actually sat on the board of Meta House before joining as part of its leadership team. Nice. How long ago did you join uh, Meta House? Yeah, I joined Meta House in 2018. So coming up on six years. So you navigated COVID too, which I know is It's been an exciting (laughs) six years to say the least. Well, that'll be interesting to talk a little bit more about and how that specifically impacted uh, Meta House because I could see that being a massive impact to the not only on the occupants but also the just the services that you're providing so that'll be really interesting to see some of the impacts of that yeah Uh, so as as you started with made house what what called you to serve you said you've you've been on boards and been serviced but tell us a little bit more what called you to serve and you know whether that started at a young age or you know just service Yeah, sure. Happy to share. Um, So my family had always been pretty involved in different community activities, Um, not as formalized as as sitting on boards and things like that. But as a child, I was often brought along to different community volunteer activities that my, my family was involved in working fundraisers, helping with, uh, you know, runs and things like that, that were raising money for different organizations. Um, Growing up, my family would literally open 
our doors and our home to, you know, family members and friends who were in need of help. And so I was really kind of just raised with the spirit of service. And that definitely continued as I went off to college and began exploring some of my own volunteer activities. Um, Most of my um, interests as it relates to volunteer work was focused around women and kids. Um, So a lot of the early work I did um, when I was in college uh, was focused on people who are struggling with domestic violence situations um, and working with other organizations that were um, helping kids um, specifically. So moms and children have always kind of been a focus of my, uh, my service efforts. Wonderful. Um, Are you a fellow Rotarian? I do not have the privilege of being a Rotarian, but I'm very happy to say that a lot of Meta House's supporters are uh, Rotarians, and we've received support from some of our local uh, Rotary uh, clubs here in southeastern Wisconsin. And because so many of our um, supporters are Rotarians, we've had the benefit of speaking at a lot of the different clubs um, and was so impressed by um, this effort. And I think it's really great what you all are doing here with this podcast and getting the word out about different organizations and the great work that they do. Well, and you you quickly realize if you're you're supported by Rotary, you're kind of... A Rotarian by proxy. I mean, ah, it really is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> like we've got a lot of different groups that that uh, participate in our club that aren't Rotar- Rotarians either, and you know, very but, true. But they're well known and they're obviously <laughs> well um, accepted. So, no need to be a Rotarian, but well, yeah, you should check it out. <laughs> I certainly will. And as a Rotary group, you know, it's hard to hard. To, you let the people that are specialize in the groups and the organizations and support them, so you can't be everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Valerie, remind me again, how long have you been with Made a House? Yeah, so I started at Made a House in 2018. 2018, okay. Yeah, so I've been with the organization for about six years. Um, and as I mentioned, um, I first learned about Made a House while I was practicing law um, yeah. at a firm here in uh, the Milwaukee area. Um, it was, it's a, the firm that I worked for was a national firm, and, and the reason that I opted to to pursue that firm after law school is, is because it was, um, very community oriented. Um, they very much encouraged, uh, the attorneys that worked at the firm to get involved in community related activities. Um, I got to do a lot of pro bono work when I was at the firm. Mm -hmm. Um, that was very, very rewarding. And I'm very grateful for all those experiences. Um, and had the opportunity to pursue some board memberships, um, at first, I was on a board for an organization that did nonprofit uh, legal services for people who couldn't afford their own attorneys and um, was introduced to Made a House in 2014 after a period of personal loss for myself and my family. Um, my mom had struggled with substance use her, her entire life, my entire life, and uh, we lost her in 2013. Oh, wow. Um, a, a colleague of mine introduced me to Meta House and, and Meta House's uh, mission is to help women who are struggling with substance use. So I didn't know about it prior to that conversation. And when she told me about it, I just said, how can I help, you know, yeah. get me involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a mission that was obviously incredibly near and dear and personal um, sure. to me and my family. Um, and so I first started off volunteering, helping out with um, some fundraising activities and then had the privilege of being invited to join their board of directors. Um, Served on the board there for three years uh, when the prior CEO um, stepped away to pursue another opportunity. And I wasn't looking for a career change, but it sort of felt like the universe was presenting me with a unique opportunity. The stars aligned. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Sometimes you got to listen when when you're getting pointed in the right direction. And um, Agreed. So, you know, I, I, as I said, I wasn't looking to make a big change, but, um, you know, and, and talking with my husband and, and thinking about what made sense for, for our family, um, it was a great alignment of personal passion and professional skills. And uh, so I was very grateful um, to be given the opportunity to, to lead the organization. So you, you actually just uh, hit a lot of the questions that I was going to ask you next, <laughs> which was like, did 
obviously you didn't start off in the role of CEO and president of Made a House, but how did you get to that point? And you just shared all of that. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Happy to do so. Good. Had to be a pretty big jump, you know, from, uh, you know, a legal career into it. Do you you use a lot of your legal background? Yeah. um, Well, you know, what's interesting. The work that we do is heavily regulated. And so um, having a legal background, I think, is incredibly helpful for anybody who leads a big organization, um, any nonprofit. I mean, most nonprofits have um, governmental grants. um, So you're entering into pretty substantial contracts with the federal government Mm -hmm. or state government. And so being able to help navigate some of those contractual relationships, some of the regulations that we have to comply with um, as a result of the work we do. I find it translates really, really well. And um, kind of the more, maybe less obvious one is the advocacy work. I mean, as a lawyer, that's what I did, right? I advocated on behalf of my clients and now I get to do that um, in a a different substantive area, so. (laughs) That's really wonderful. Yeah, <clears throat> we're going to dive into, you know, the Made a House a lot deeper uh, in the next segment. But um, So you shared that it's, you know, helping women with uh, substance abuse. Has that always been the mission? Yeah, so Made a House um, was founded in the 1960s. So we've been around for a really long time. Our core mission has always been um, helping women who are struggling with substance use disorder At its inception at that time in the 1960s, the primary focus was helping women who were struggling with alcohol dependency. And obviously over the course of our history, you know, what we focus on, how we support our clients has grown exponentially to make sure that we're able to meet kind of the evolving needs of of clients and uh, the different addictions and trauma that our clients face. Wonderful. You just gave a a nice little... uh, segue into our next segment talking a little bit deeper about made a house as well so thank you for that little introduction yeah, <laughs> all right as a reminder you are listening to searching for service i'm kelly kirk i'm joe kirk and i'm chad larson we'll be back up your game and show off your rotary club spirit Did you know there's a one-stop shop for all things rotary apparel? Russell Hampton Company is the world's largest provider of licensed rotary branded merchandise. From apparel like hats, jackets and shirts to banners, tents and awards, they have it all. And most things are customizable. And they can handle orders of all sizes. Russell Hampton Company also has deep connections to rotary. In 1920, the company founder was part of Rotary Club No. 1 in downtown Chicago. Russell Hampton Company models their business on the Rotary four-way test and gives back 10% of all purchases to Rotary, supporting its global work. So the next time you and your club are out on a service project, arrive with the right swag from Russell Hampton Company to promote your club and Rotary. Even non-Rotarians will want some of your cool hats, shirts, and jackets. Learn more at bestclubsupplies.com. That's bestclubsupplies.com. Of the things we think, say, or do. Is it the truth? Is it fair to walk on sand? Will it feel good, real, and better fresh air? Is it the truth? Is it fair to walk on sand? Will it be beneficial to walk on sand? Join Rotary to serve your community and the world with honesty, fairness, and goodwill. Our four-way test guides our actions every day. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? These values underpin our commitment to making a positive impact on the world. Learn more about your local Rotary Club and stop searching and start serving. And the song you're hearing now was performed by Rotary Club of Dar es Salaam Oyster Bay. Hello and welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. As a reminder, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms and... And you can find us by looking up Searching for Service on any of those platforms. We also have a YouTube channel you can find us and we love if you like, follow, share, and five-star reviews. Five-star reviews. Nailed it. 
If you are tuning in for the first time, we have special guest Valerie Vidal. She is the president and CEO of Made a House. And for this segment, we're going to talk a little bit further about Made a House and what it represents. Yeah, so we, we just briefly touched on the history, but just go, go in depth a little bit about all the services and what you guys are doing, you know, currently and, you know, how it led to this. <clears throat> Yeah, happy to. Um, and thanks for the question. So Meta House, as I mentioned, does substance use treatment for women. Our mission is to end the generational cycle of addiction by healing women and strengthening families. Um, we do that across a continuum of care. Um, our three primary areas of service are a residential program, which is what it sounds like. It's, it's inpatient treatment where clients are living on site with us and receiving 24-hour care. Um, one of the many things that makes Made a House unique is that women are allowed to bring their children with them into that treatment setting, which really removes a barrier. Um, mm. A mom's never going to leave her child behind in an unsafe environment. And so we welcome the kids into the residential treatment setting. That gives us a chance to wrap services around the whole family. Um, most of our clients, after they've completed a period of time in our residential program, will step down into an outpatient service level. Mm -hmm. It means they're living off of site, but they're coming back to us for services during the day. And then over the course of our history, we identified having recovery housing was a really critical component of that continuum giving women a safe place to live in those early days of recovery and kind of stabilizing their new mm -hmm. life in that new journey was really important. And so our third, you know, continuum of our care, the third bucket is sober living recovery housing. So it's independent living. There are apartments for women um, who are living in a supportive environment with other people who are in early recovery, most of the time coming back to us for outpatient services at the same time. Wonderful. Um, it's, a, it's a heavy topic, you know what I mean? Um, one of the questions that I, I have regarding that is, what's the, uh, what's the uh, percentage of people who, like, there's a success rate with mm -hmm. this? Yeah. So I'm, I'm so proud of Made a House. Um, we've, we're innovators. Um, we're always asking the hard questions of what can we do differently or better for our clients. And I think the model that our incredibly skilled clinicians have established over our history, it, the proof is in the pudding in terms of our outcomes. Um, it's really comprehensive services. We treat the whole person. It's not a one size uh, you know, fits approach to treatment. It's very client based. Um, but I was just looking back at some of our outcomes and in, um, in the past year, past five years that I was looking at, our success completion rate in our residential program was um, over 90%. So that means over wow. 90 clients who are coming to us successfully completed residential treatment. And outpatient um, outcomes are, are also really, really high and really strong, almost always over the state average in terms of successful outcomes. Now, that's not to say we win the battle every time, right? right. Um, lapses is part of the disease of recovery. Mm -hmm. And so we see clients come back to us um, who may have gone through our program previously, and we welcome them back with open arms, and we're thrilled to see them because that means that they're coming back to get a tune-up. Um, yeah. What we sometimes say, like they want to strengthen some of their skills. They may have gotten, you know, veered off their path, and we're happy and um you know, feel very honored that they trust to come back to us to, to get those those services. You, you kind of touched on some of the uniqueness. That, you know, a lot of recovery programs are faith-based. Is that integrated or is it, you know, totally different? Or tell us a little bit more about the approach. Yeah, we are not faith-based. And in fact, we're, we're kind of intentionally um, um, not associated with any specific religion or faith organization. Um, because recovery can take a lot of different shapes for different people. And so we try to be uh, a place that is welcoming to all, um, that is culturally competent for, this, for the clients that we serve, um, but is not specifically tied to a faith or even um, like a 12-step program. Yeah. We, we encourage clients to seek whatever method um, works for them. Um, but our approach is, is evidence-based. We are um, bringing new 
treatment modalities to our clients um, that we know works. That's like illustrated by the data um, and has been proven by by outcomes, um, but it's not specifically linked to um, any religion or a 12-step program. You mentioned on data. It sounds like you're a very data-driven organization then. We are, yeah. And we're so fortunate to have a really incredible in-house evaluations team and quality team that is tracking just scores of data for us in terms of um, how our clients are doing, what um, what are our services influencing around um, involvement with criminal justice systems, um, ability to parent their children well, reunification with their children, because oftentimes kids are removed for, from their mom's care while they're in active use. Um, so we're tracking things like um, Again, reunification, obviously reduction in substance use. We are a smoke-free facility. We went tobacco-free long before lots of other treatment places went tobacco-free. So we're tracking those outcomes as well. Um, Clients that have returned to employment um, or returned to school. Um, So we're, we're constantly looking at those outcomes to see where can we tweak or adjust our program to meet those, you know, the different things that we want our clients to achieve. How has the data changed since COVID? Yeah, that's, it's a great question. And I would say that one of the more significant things that we have noticed is um, over the past several years, our, the demographic of who we serve has trended younger. Um, And I think that continues to be true over, that continued to be true over the course of the pandemic. And um, both the younger nature of our clients and the pandemic itself, I think has lended it itself to having clients stay for shorter periods of time, which which can influence how successful they are after Mm -hmm. they leave service. And so one of the things that we've been looking at recently is how do we how do we make sure that we're setting expectations with our clients and shifting the mindset that we are, we're not a 30 day program. We're not a 90 day program. We are until you're ready to go program. And we want to make sure that each client is evaluating themselves and their own personal needs and not measuring it just based on the passage of time. Have you guys always brought the children in through the program as, as you talked about earlier? Yeah, we've been doing that um, since the 90s. Um, we are one of very few programs um, throughout all of Wisconsin that does it. Um, and there are, are only uh, relatively few across the United States that work under that model. Um, one of the other things that's really unique about Meta House is um, we can take a woman who is at any period within her pregnancy. Um, in fact, we, we welcomed one client um, in the past month who delivered her baby like three days after she was admitted into our residential program. Oh, wow. Um, and it, that's, that's such a huge success for us because, you know, mom goes to deliver and then she and baby get to come back and they, we have all these services wrapped around that family. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, if she hadn't been in our program, that could have looked very, very different. Sure. With, with that aspect of the family, you know, and being a little non-traditional, how does that impact some of the funding that you guys receive? Yeah, so um, our funding mix is, you know, we do um, receive some federal support from um, from the Department of Health. The SAMHSA is the specific department that provides us um, some funding. Um, we are reimbursed for some of our services through Forward Health, which is Wisconsin's version of Medicaid. <clears throat> Um, But that's very, very new. We have been historically very, very reliant on um, private philanthropy and um, cobbling together like local uh, funding sources to help support um, the work that we do. I don't think I've mentioned, but most of our clients come to us unhoused or unstably housed. Most are living far, far below the poverty line. These are not clients who have commercial insurance or the ability to pay for services themselves. Mm-hmm. Most have damaged relationships with their with their families or their support networks. And so um, that is not the client's concern, though. When they come to us for help, you know, we are figuring out, okay, what grant might we be able to get them enrolled in? 
who can, who else can we tap into for some funding sources to help support their services? What a nice obstacle to overcome. I mean, that's got to be one of the obstacles for a lot of the people that are considering the service of going, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going right. to, mm-hmm. I don't have insurance. I, I couldn't even imagine trying to pay for this. So being able to remove that first hurdle has got to be huge and getting them in the door and into the program. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, that's a, a really important hurdle that we're happy to remove. But, you know, there are there are so many barriers that are often mm-hmm. standing in the way of our clients receiving services. Mm-hmm. Um, safe place for their kids to stay is often one of them. Yeah. Um, transportation is another. I mean, there are there are a lot of hurdles and we do our best to identify those and clear the path so that they can come to us and get the services they need. I'm always amazed. And we've had so many different people on that transportation has been the hurdle. That, like, yeah. you know, they've got the services set up. They've got, you know, the partnerships, the funding, everything set up. And they're like, wait a second, we can't get the people here. Yeah. We there. <laughs> I know. It, and it feels like something that should be so easy. It's so to easy, solve, right? Like, but, it, yeah. we all assume, like, well, why are they just hopping in an Uber and just get here? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, I think for our next segment, it'd be nice to continue on this trajectory talking more about Meta House, but then um, some challenges and stories as well so specific stories to you (laughs) as well so as a reminder you are listening to searching for service i'm kelly kirk i'm joe kirk and i'm chad larson we'll be back Are you ready to make a difference in your community? Rotary is a great place to get involved in your community and meet passionate groups of people, as well as individuals dedicated to service and fellowship. At Rotary, we believe in the power of teamwork to bring positive change. As a member, you will have the opportunity to participate in exciting projects that address local and global challenges. From supporting educational initiatives to environmental conservation, we tackle it all. Joining a Rotary Club means becoming part of a diverse family of individuals who share a passion for giving back and having fun while making positive impact. With projects and events that enrich your community, there's something for everyone, from local initiatives to international collaborations. It doesn't matter what culture or country you come from. What matters is that you want to belong to a group that strengthens communities and creates lasting change. There's a place for everyone at Rotary, regardless of age or background. Learn more by searching for a Rotary Club in your community and visiting. Together, let's make a difference. Rotary People of Action. Rotary is a place for all community-minded people who want to serve their areas with the support of an international organization. Join Rotary to find service. Join Rotary to find inclusion. Join Rotary to find leadership. Join Rotary to find fun. Join Rotary to find friendship. Join Rotary to find a better version of the world. Find a Rotary Club near you at rotary.org and click on Club Finder. There is a club out there for everyone. Find your fit with Rotary. Rotary.org. Hello and welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. As a reminder, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms and... You can find us by looking up, searching for service on all those platforms. Yep, you're on, on top of all the podcast platforms. We're also on YouTube. We love it if you share, like, subscribe, and five-star reviews. Please review. <laughs> reviews are awesome. Yeah. Love them. They help us a lot. So we have a special guest on. Um, so if you're tuning in for our third segment of Searching for Service, we have with us Valerie Vidal, who is the president and CEO of Made a House located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the best state ever. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, Valerie, one of one of the questions that I I have based off of all of what you've shared with Meta House is what what is like one pivotal moment or circumstance that you encountered um in serving at Made a House where it was just like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pausing because I feel like I have one of those moments every single day, yeah. which is mm. um, 
why I feel so lucky to, to have uh, the job that I have, um, to be able to work with the colleagues that I work with, um, and, and to see our clients. Like I, you know, as, as the CEO, I'm not doing direct client service, but I get to, I, I do get the privilege of interacting with our clients often, um, and hearing some of their stories and hearing what, what a huge impact the work that we do here at Made a House has on their lives, has on their families. Um, in, in reflecting on this, and as we kind of get into the colder season here in Wisconsin, I, I was thinking about um, one day when I was coming into work, um, it was a snowy day uh, here in Wisconsin, and it was one of those days where I'm like, bundling up my kids and there's 17 layers of snow gear and then I have to clean off my car and then I have to drive through this, you know, all this, you know, snowy roads to get into work. And so by the time I got to work, I'm like frustrated. I'm, you know, my hair is messy, like all the things. And as I'm getting like pulling up to Meta House, I see a woman who is getting off the bus, carrying a car seat and walking towards our building. Um, and I just thought like, how incredible that, you know, I, I had all of these like first world problem problems mm-hmm. to navigate, to get to work that day. And I can only imagine what that woman had to go through to just get on the bus, right. Yeah. To like take what was probably a 30, 40 minute bus ride with a newborn to yeah. get to Meta house on a snowy day because she knew that her, that her health and her recovery was worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's just one of many examples of how inspiring our clients are um, and how committed they are to getting better so that they can be moms and wives and sisters and um, people who are contributing to our shared community. Um, do you get people that come back and help the house? We do. Yeah. So um, that's that's one of the very fulfilling things um, about working here at Meta Houses. So many of our clients go on to uh, pursue higher education, pursue mm. licensure, and many of them do come back and want to work here at Meta House. Um, so we have many employees who are either graduates of our program, who have gone through their program, or wow. who are people who are living in recovery themselves. Several of our um, program managers are graduates of our uh, program um, and now have leadership positions here within Meta House. The first person you would see if you walk through the door is a graduate of Meta House who will greet you and make sure you're headed to the right group room or getting you to your therapist. Um, So, so we see a lot of that. It's, it's really incredible. It's got to be inspiring for the people that are coming in to go, oh yeah, this person was literally standing right where I was standing and Mm -hmm. look at where they're doing now. So that's got, that's got to help to have those people involved. And it's not just this sterile environment of people that are just right. telling them what they should be doing. Right. Rather yeah. it's people who have been through the trenches. Yeah. So to speak. So we actually have a, a formalized position here at Made a House called peer support. And it's, it's a person who has lived experience who essentially serves as a mentor for somebody who's early into those days of treatment and recovery. They're accompanying them to court proceedings. They're going to them to doctor's appointments. They're, they're sitting with them as they're anxiously making a phone call about, you know, X, Y, or Z. I mean, they're really just helping to, to buffer the anxiety and stress of, of those early days of recovery. And, and as you said, they have that personal experience themselves. And so they can, they can look at our client and say, I've been there and you're going to get through this. Yeah. You know, for our listeners that are listening, <laughs> um, you know, people are going to be inspired by this and probably want to be getting involved, if, if not with Made a House, but with something like it. And, you know, are there resources out there for people to connect to? Yeah. There are lots of ways for people to get involved. Um, you know, if you're not located here in the in the Milwaukee area, um, there's lots of there are a lot of great organizations that are helping um, women who may be struggling with substance use. Um, if you are here in in the in the the Midwest area, you know you can certainly go to our website and see ways to get involved, either with your time or your treasure. Um, there are lots of ways. Um, but I always feel like I miss an opportunity if I don't talk about stigma. 
in -hmm. substance use. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the silver linings I feel like of the, the opioid epidemic is that most people realize that addiction is not an other people problem. Like it is kind of leveled the playing field in terms of who is impacted by addiction um, and fatal overdoses. And it's, it's tragic, uh, but it's tragedy that's shared now. And um, so I think there's been some reduction in stigma, but there still is really significant stigma that exists. And so I think all of us have a role to play in removing um, stigma for people who are seeking services for mental health or substance use. Um, and I think we're, we've made some strides, but we still have a way to go. Yeah, that makes sense. I agree. I think it's, it's definitely a topic that I think people are much more open to talk about, but it's, it's got it's a long still, way to go. It, it, it's still a challenge. Like I'm even finding myself, um, even in this conversation, thoughtfully thinking through how I want to ask questions yeah, (laughs) or maybe not asking questions because I don't know how to thoughtfully approach it. Um, One of the questions I actually had was I've always seen substance abuse Mm -hmm. and was there, had it, has it changed recently to remove that? Is it because the word abuse has stigma around it at like that's, I was like, I'm looking for substance abuse when I'm reading um, your bio, but it's it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> so well, maybe it's a silly it, question, but it's I not am a curious. silly question. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it, it is a very intentional use of language to talk about substance use disorder as the mental health and brain condition that it is. This is okay. it is a physical medical diagnosis, um, addiction impacts the brain. And so by using language that appropriately um, reflects that this is something that can be treated, that has to be treated with the appropriate um, deference. And it also removes um, sort of the shame and um, stigma as we were talking about, but also um, instead of looking at addiction as a moral failing, you know, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. treating it like the health condition that it is. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad. And I how asked. do you know you're an attorney? Use the word deference. <laughs> Use the word deference. I love it. <laughs> oh my god. How unique is it for for this type of program to be only focused, or not only, but a, a women centric or focused just on women versus a, um, you know, the different types out there? Is it? Is yeah. there a lot of that? So, um, I think that. A lot more treatment um, facilities are recognizing that there is some benefit to um, gender-specific treatment, um, and even that topic has, you know, some areas of gray in a world where even gender, I think, is, mm-hmm. you know, something that, you know, has a lot of conversation around it. Um, and to be clear, Meta House treats anyone who identifies as a woman, and so we're happy to welcome in um, people who are not um, b- born um uh, female. And so, uh, that's, that's something that we are navigating and, and making sure that we're, um, providing services, uh, that are, um, inclusive and that we're the right place for clients to feel safe. Um, what we've learned though, is for, for specifically for women who are struggling with substance use, many of, many of them are moms. And if a person is, a a mom, that's how they identify. That is like the core yeah. of how they identify. They, they identify as a parent. And so by providing that gender-specific treatment, we're all also able to fold in that parenting element and really getting at the heart of how do we help support this woman who's also a mom who has children that need her to be there for them to break that cycle. Um, yeah. So... So it is. A, it is a different model. It is a unique model, but I, our outcomes show that it is a really, really effective model. I I wanted to ask another question, but I realize we only have a minute left, so I will wait until our next segment. But um, any other? <laughs> so we're just going to kill forty five seconds. Oh, I, no, I think, <laughs> Can't I think ask to stay it. on that it's because big... it's a very yeah. unique and interesting uh, you know aspect mm-hmm. of it, and, <clears throat> and I think it's important important to talk about. So I'm going to take this away. 
All right. As a reminder, you are listening to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. We'll be back. Show off your Rotary Club spirit with Russell Hampton Company. They're the world's largest provider of licensed Rotary items. They make everything like hats, jackets, shirts, banners, and more. Russell Hampton Company is a fourth-generation family-owned and operated business founded in 1920 by a member of the first-ever Rotary Club in Chicago, Club Number 1. When you call Russell Hampton Company, you get more than just a company, you get a fellow Rotarian-owned business who's there to help. No matter if you're ordering for your entire club or just yourself, no order is too big or too small. Not sure what your club needs? Their team members can help and customize just about anything. They live by the Rotary 4-Way Test. They also give 10% of all purchases back to Rotary to support Rotary's global work. So remember, Russell Hampton Company is your one-stop shop for all things Rotary. Learn more at bestclubsupplies.com. That's bestclubsupplies.com. Russell Hampton Company, Rotarians serving Rotarians. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concern? Will it build good? Will it better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? When we pay it forward, it will be returned. Join Rotary to serve your community and the world with honesty, fairness, and goodwill. Our four-way test guides our actions every day. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? These values underpin our commitment to making a positive impact on the world. Learn more about your local Rotary Club and stop searching and start serving. And the song you're hearing right now was performed by the Rotary Club of Saskatoon, Natuna in Canada. When we pay it forward, it will be returned. Hello and welcome back to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. We have Valerie Vidal, who's the president and CEO of Made a House with us. And we've done a really deep dive into data with Made a House, what Made a House represents, who um, who, who, they help. You, who you help as well. Um, the question, for, uh, for those of you who were listening <laughs> the to the last segment, the cliffhanger, question that I, um, I, I'm not sure we've really dove into this, and I did have to step out for a moment, so maybe I missed it, but... My question is um, regarding having the children there present present with the mother. Um, what's the data behind that in terms of like helping with recovery? Um, I, I want to hear from you on on what that represents. Yeah. So when a when a woman comes into treatment. Um, Sometimes she's pregnant and she can have, you know, she'll, she'll deliver here. Um, one of the stats that always blows me away that I like to share is that um, if, a, if a, a pregnant woman who is in active use comes to Meta House and we can have, um, I think it's less than eight weeks with her, we can have her baby be born drug free. So wow. um, it's, okay. a, it's a pretty short, short turnaround for us to be able to support that woman and make sure that best we can, she's having a healthy delivery. So I don't know, Go in ahead. terms of like data and outcomes, that seems like an incredible yeah. one to me. Mm-hmm. Um, if a mom is bringing her child with her into the treatment setting, a child that she already has, um, we have an entire team that's dedicated to child and family services um, that, again, is able to wrap uh, wrap services around uh, both the child and the mom. They're doing um, different groups and individual work with them to teach uh, mom how to interact with her kids in a healthy way. They do play therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, anecdotally, that's one of the things we hear from our clients over and over again. Their children are their motivation mm-hmm. to get well. Yeah. It's their, you know, getting their child back into their custody is their motivation to stay well. Um, and so when we when we see our clients doing well, that's exactly what happens. They're able to have reunification. They're they feel more confident in their ability to parent their kids, and all of the family outcomes are better as a result. Yeah, Beautiful. having some personal experience in this realm, um, 
I love the fact that the kids are are involved because you know you could see where implanting those systems and processes with the children present is so important. Whereas maybe they get themselves right and then they're reintroduced back to their kids and it's stressful. Like the kid, mm-hmm. the, oh, being yeah. a parent is really stressful and difficult. And then all of a sudden it's it's stressing those systems in ways that they were not ready or anticipated for. So I can only imagine, although I, I do think about it like kind of funny wise, like what about the kid that's just the the little punk is it super <laughs> disruptive to like the entire, yeah. are there age limits? Like, is it up to only so old that they can be there? Yeah. yeah. So um, over the course of our history, we identified that, you know, adolescent kids are just going to have different <laughs> needs um, yes. and, yeah. and uh, need, need a different level of attention. And so we welcome kids 12 and under into our okay. program. Yep. I would say that the we haven't had, um, older kids in our program for a while. Um, part of that was a, a product of the pandemic. Most of the kids who come um, to Meta House are like toddlers and younger sure. um, because we're skewing more towards um, babies, pregnant women, et cetera. Okay. Um, however, you know, we, we have had school-aged kids, you know, their, their buses come and, you know, pick them up here from Meta House and they're going off to school and then we're helping them with homework when they come back to Meta House. And exactly like you said, I mean, being a parent is stressful. So yeah. being able to teach that woman who's working on all of these other coping skills, parenting skills and coping skills to be a parent, yeah. which yeah. any parent needs, right, um, is really going to help make sure that when they're independent and they're living outside of the walls of Meta House, that they're they're able to function um, as a healthy family. Well, and hats off to you guys for, I mean, because to take that wrinkle on is just a whole other layer of dynamics, processes, difficulties, things to emotionally triage in both the parent or the 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 mom and the child mm-hmm. i mean you're taking something that's already complex and making it more complex and it sounds like from the data that you've given that it's been extremely successful so you know taking on so that challenge so taking on that challenge and you know i think a lot of other places should really be looking at that and saying you know is that a core piece of you know success rate is having yeah. their their core pieces of what make them who they are, you know, present. Present. Well, so I guess that does yeah. pose a question, Valerie. Um, based off of what Joe was just talking about, have you had um, other homes, houses, nonprofits come to you, seeing the success and the success rate that you have with the mothers, and and asking like, what what does this look like? How can we get this blueprint? Yeah, what's the secret sauce? Yeah. So we're we're always happy to share and we're all always happy to learn, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm I'm very happy to say that we've got really great relationships with a lot of the other treatment providers throughout the state of Wisconsin. What I will tell you is there are not enough resources, particularly as you go outside of the um, southeastern Wisconsin bubble here. Mm. Um, as you get into the northern counties, if, as you get into native lands, there are not enough resources within those communities and there needs to be more. And so yeah. one of the things that Meta House is looking to as, as we grow um, is making sure that we can be a resource to provide some technical assistance to other communities that are looking to establish their own treatment facilities um, because it's it's so important. I mean, it's so just, we get clients from all over the state of Wisconsin, but it's better if they can stay right in within their own communities and receive treatment. It's just better. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, it's like you, like we sent the the segments ahead of time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, like as we're kind of going into, like we spoke briefly about kind of the future here at the end of this is, you know, what are your future goals and objectives, not only for, for Meta House, but also for yourself Meta House. or Meta House? Meta. Sorry. Meta. So, Meta. Yeah, you're right. Meta, Facebook. Meta, Come Facebook on. really screwed it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges that we face at Meta House is that we're almost constantly on a three to six month wait list for mm. our services. Right mm. now we have 35 beds in our residential treatment program and, you know, three to six months of waiting to get the level of care that you need can be fatal for yeah. somebody who's waiting. And that's, that's a heartbreaking conversation to have with a mom who says, 
I get my daughter's ready. She's ready to come in and we say, we'll take your information. We'll get you hooked up with some other services, but we can't take you right now. So as we think about the future of Meta House, one of the immediate things that we're hoping to address is expand to have more residential treatment beds so that we can reduce that wait list and get mm. women in quicker. Okay. One of the other really big challenges that I think all providers face is a, there's just a huge shortage of skilled and licensed mental health professionals, not just here in Wisconsin, but really across the, in, the whole United States. And so trying to be thoughtful about a growth plan for our organization, Meta House is also um, growing an internship program that we have here in our agency that's it's very sought after. Um, so bringing more interns into our operations they get their uh, clinical supervision hours they need in order to apply for their licensure. So it's really sort of this mutually beneficial relationship. Um, we are in the process of planning a full relocation to help realize those uh, goals that I just mentioned of having more treatment beds. Um, so we hope to have a full relocation by the beginning of uh, 2025. Um, it's a huge endeavor. Um, mm -hmm. We've been in our current spaces for um, it, in some instances over two decades. And so um, wow. it will it will be a big um, undertaking for our whole organization, but one that we're all very excited for and thrilled to take because it means we're serving more people. Yeah. Um, so Meta House is doing, um, we're in the, in the pro planning process, um, but we are of course doing a capital campaign and um, have been very successful in our early fundraising. But the North Star is always our clients and making sure that we are incorporating them in all of our future planning. It's their table. We're just setting it. And so we need their input to like, what, what, do you, what do you like about what we're doing now? What would you like to see us incorporate in the future? What do you want your spaces to look like? Right now we're operating out of older, they're beautiful, but they're older historic buildings that were not built for what we're using yeah. them for. So um, as we think about creating this beautiful new chapter for Made a House, making sure that we're taking our staff and our clients into account in that planning process. That's really wonderful because oftentimes <clears throat> that isn't the, the typical process. So it's nice that you're taking into consideration that viewpoint and perspective because sport court <laughs> you're <laughs> you're you're literally taking it from the babe's mouth right so yeah. <clears throat> well, we have about two minutes left you know what would be some of the parting thoughts that you'd you know like leave with the listeners and i'll put all the information up for the website mm -hmm. when we post this so we'll get that out there if anybody's interested in donating or volunteering i'll have that in the link yeah, well, I want to thank you all for giving me the opportunity. I, it was really fun. Well, it's our um, pleasure. Yeah, listening to some of your uh, past podcasts and hearing the inspirational stories of other folks that you've interviewed was was really fun. Um, so I'm excited to to help share and uh, get the word out about your podcast. So thank five you. Five star doing review. That. <laughs> five star review. <laughs> um, and I think the the other thing that I would like to to share is just reiterate the the piece about stigma. I, there is not a single person who has not been impacted by addiction. Mm -hmm. And so um, all of us know somebody who struggled with addiction or mental health. And so helping to do what you can to um, get people in your life connected with services if they need them. Um, and just asking people how they are is really, really important. Great finish. Man. That was. Holy moly. And I look up and I'm like, and there's and, the time. And we're Holy done. moly. <laughs> Valerie, thank you so much for joining us. Like I mentioned, it's truly our pleasure to have you on and um, have our listeners have um, more information in their back pocket about Made a House. It's, it's truly been an honor. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm, I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. It's time to stop searching and start serving. We'll see you next week. <laughs>